We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And yesterday, we discussed the start of trade season. And Darius made a comment about how, in this period of time, between now and when the trade deadline on February 9th starts to creep up, a lot of teams are going to know a lot more about who they are. And I think the Lakers are one of those teams, right? If you uh, look at the next couple of games, right? We got some tough ones. We got tonight against Denver, who's playing well. They've won seven out of their last 10, three in a row. And then we've got uh, Phoenix in a couple games after a Washington game on Sunday on the road. That'll be a tough one. The Kings are playing well. But if you look about a month into the future, the vast majority of the teams that we're playing are either 500, right around it, or below. And so I view this period of time, Mike, as a window of opportunity to climb the standings. But the standings, as they are, have been full of surprises so far this season. Mike, talk to us about what stands out to you. Well, just considering the start of the season for the Lakers, which is where all of this stuff traces to, uh, it it's still kind of, what's that threshold by which the Lakers can start to play better, which they have for the most part, the unfortunate Anthony Davis flu and the unfortunate ending to the Celtics and Sixers games, um, notwithstanding, it was kind of which of these teams that are pretty good are going to slip for some reason or the other. And one team is Minnesota. And I think that's been a mix of just a really bad fit between Gobert and Towns and then Towns getting hurt and some other guys missing games. And all of a sudden they've lost three in a row. Um, They're 13 and 15, just one in the loss column ahead of the Lakers. Now you have Golden State, who had been struggling for other reasons. Then they kind of righted their ship, and they started to have a couple of injuries. But the one thing that they can't afford is to not have Steph Curry. And Curry's now going to miss, it sounds like, at least two weeks. It could end up being three or four uh, with a shoulder injury. And how do they hold up in that time? And they have 15 losses right now. Dallas is and the Clippers and Utah and Sacramento are all 5-5 five and five in their last 10. So it's just a crazy mix of teams playing kind of around 500 basketball. And this is, though, where the difference between those teams and the Lakers is the Lakers that start, right? The um, the two and ten. And so they remain five games below 500. But those are the 
the range by which that they can get up into that mix now um, is interesting, considering that the Lakers have also been in every game, uh, basically, that they've that they played, barring kind of the Toronto one where LeBron and AD both didn't play. And like my thing for them, it's it's part of the standing serious, and then it's also part of just figuring out crunch time and how that can mm-hmm. get better because that's been a thing that's kept them from getting close to some of these teams. But uh, but start in either one of those spots if you want uh, in terms of looking at the standings versus thinking about how the Lakers have to actually have to take care of business for the standings to become an, a, a point of interest. Yeah, we talk Lakers stuff all of the time. So we'll put that on the side burner for a minute because beyond crunch time, Mike, I think it's it's actually like a start of the game and an end of the game thing, which it's just like, look, one or the other. But if it's going to be both, like you're probably <laughs> yeah, going to lose. It's, it's tough. More yeah. than you want. Right. It's anyways. So it's interesting, Mike, that you're looking at the teams that were supposed to be good, but are somewhat struggling and dropping back because I'm looking at the teams that we were kind of wondering, like, what are they going to be this year? And were potential like tank teams, but have like we're a third of the way through the season now and they're still good. Right. And so, like, I'm looking at the Jazz I'm looking at like the Jazz in Portland and Sacramento to me, those are three teams that we thought might compete for the play in, but they look like firm playoff teams or at least teams where it's just like any of them could finish sixth or higher. And I wouldn't be surprised based off of how they've played through this first third of the season. And so it it's creating a crowd that like. It's one thing to look and be like, oh, everyone has jumped together. Like that's actually favors the Lakers. Everyone's with or or can be favorable to the Lakers. Everyone is within like two losses of each other. But Pete, when you actually have to jump four teams in order to get to the place in the standings that you want to be, it becomes trickier and tiebreakers come into play and head to head comes into play and all of these other like machinations that need to go in your favor, then it's just like, okay, well, damn, that game we lost to the Kings where we were actually better, like where we actually better for most of the game, only for Fox to take over in the last three and a half minutes. It's like, well, that loss stings a little bit more. That early season loss to the Blazers, where the Lakers were better for most of the game, but then game time kicked in and then the Lakers didn't have a counter for Russ versus Nurkic when Nurkic started starting to, to defend the Lakers point guard. Like those are the losses that stand out to me, Mike. And you've talked a lot about this over the course of of like like of the season, like the fact that you give away ones that you had only to need some down down the stretch. And so I'm looking at those other teams that are just like, oh, well damn it, these teams that are now fourth through sixth or fourth through seventh, like those are teams that we didn't expect to be there, but they are. And I think the Warriors and the Wolves, they have to worry about those those teams too. And so the standings are like all topsy-turvy to me. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? The Lakers need to catch some of these teams eventually, but, and that's where them needing to play better comes into play too. Yeah, that's really what stands out to me in in this environment is that it's still very much more about us. And just from a practical standpoint, one of the things, so I've been scoreboard watching way more like earlier than I ever have before. Like the idea of doing it before January was always absurd to me where I've been doing it since November this season. And one of the things I notice is there's like two, sometimes three games a night where it's two teams. It's like, well, 
one of them are gonna are gonna lose. Like two of the teams we're chasing in the standings are playing each other, and they kind of cannibalize each other. And so that's something that because of that, it's going to be difficult for the Peloton, as we as we said it, that that group of teams to be able to uh like as a group separate themselves like it it should be bunched up like this for much of the season mike so my thought is if we can play 650 basketball for a decent stretch of time and we need to do a couple things to do that but we're playing 600 basketball over our last 15 if we can get a little bit better and, and resolve some of those start of the game end of the game problems or at least get better at that then that is the way that we can separate ourselves and also when you've got that many teams somebody's going to get hurt there's going to be more than just step out for a couple of weeks with a shoulder but it also might be us right it could be one of our guys that gets hurt so i just think there's an inevitability when there's that many teams that closely bunched together that you got to handle your business and everything's going to be okay if you do. Yeah, and of course, both of those things are true. And this is where the standings watching to me has been. It's I mean, uh, fun is one way to put it, but it's there are few, <laughs> there are very few teams that are out of reach uh, in, in the case of and this is a combination of, I think, the way that they play, what the talent is and, and the depth. So Memphis, for example, is to me not a team regular season wise that the Lakers should be looking towards getting to agreed they have such a system there and they have so much young talent that they went without Bain for most of the year they were without Jaron Jackson Jr. for a big stretch Jaws missed a couple games and they just kind of plug right along um they're 19 or 9 they've now passed New Orleans and they're number one New Orleans to me similarly is just is good and they're deep and they can miss a guy here or there and plug other players in uh and and so those are two the two teams right now that are one and two then you have Denver, who as long as Jokic is healthy, they're fine. That's that's the one guy they mm. need. If Jokic, it's a little bit like Steph and the Warriors, where like that guy alone carries them through in their seventeen and ten. Even though I think the Lakers can certainly beat them, um, as they have before, because mm. of their particular ability um, to to contain Jokic to an extent with AD. And then you have the teams like I think Phoenix is probably in this group also, and these are the top four, right? So Phoenix, where they miss Booker. Uh, for a couple of games that ended up hurting them a lot more than missing CP three. So Booker's back now from Shocking. his hamstring strain. Well, but that was different though. Even last year, Darius last, like sure. last year, like when Chris Paul was still the player that was kind of carrying them through regular season wins. And then he kind of hit wh- whatever it is, whether it's his age wall or something. And I think that that's what mostly what it is. And because he doesn't have the size to shift some of his game, like LeBron does. Um, in his age, mm-hmm. and we've seen this traditionally with point guards, but Booker has been enough um, to carry them. And and that's where I kind of draw the line where everybody else is basically fair game. Um, it just based on injury and based on like how the Lakers are playing. So that's that's five through 11, the teams that are all in front of the, of the Lakers right now. I could see any of those teams jumping up a little bit, although I'd be surprised if, if Sacramento or Utah did. Um, and I could see any of them sliding down with a little bit of continuation from an injury standpoint. So is there a team in that group there, Pete, that particularly, or Darius, that particularly intrigues you um, between Portland, Kings, Jazz, Clippers, Mavs, Warriors, Timberwolves, sorry. So it's interesting. Like in the same way that you were talking about teams that have systems and a way of like making things work, Portland is a super interesting team to me within that context. Like, um, they they treaded water, Pete, without Dame, 
in a way that I think in previous seasons, even with CJ McCollum there, they might have like fallen off. But it's like mm-hmm. the the way they've been though Grant has been so good for them and important for them because when you add Grant and Simons basically filling into the McCollum role, like Grant was that extra dude that they never had before. He was that because you you, you kind of know what you're going to get from Nurkic. He's going to be in between like a 13 and 17 point guy. He's going to be good for double digit rebounds about. And he can score against smaller players or even like size size players on deep post ups and, and and everything else. But if he's like the if it's just him and like CJ or him and Simons carrying a second U unit, it's like not enough. Right. And so you but. Now they have Grant, and and so Grant's a big wing. He is that different sort of player, and so I wonder, unless like there is like a prolonged injury to, because Portland's dealt with other injuries too. Like guys have, like other guys have have mm-hmm. missed, and so I wonder if Portland is here to stay in a certain way. And that's not to say the Lakers can't catch them, but I think. Pete's talking about 650 ball in order to catch some of those teams like the Lakers would need to be like 750 ball, you know, and I don't think that's possible with the current iteration of the roster. Like 650 is even a stretch to me based off. No, that's a goal, right? Like that's something like, hey, let's win 65 percent of our games with this group. I think we can do it, but it is something that's going to take some work. And so the the other team that is interesting to me is actually the Kings in their own way. Like, Mm -hmm. They are like an all vibes team to me, like the like the light, the beam and like all the cards. And then Sabonis sure. playing like he's playing at the all star level that he's played at for the last several seasons. And mm-hmm. they are finding ways to win games on offense because their defense isn't quite where it needs to be. And it's not going to be where it needs to be when Sabonis anchoring. But they've got so many scoring threats, Pete, that it, it's it's like those are the teams where, like I said before, those are the teams that we thought were going to be in the eight through 12 area. But instead, they've been in the four through six area and and that's the hard part is like do you see either of them dropping back because those are the important teams that probably need to drop back if the lakers are going to move up yeah i think they're more substantive than they're given credit for as well the team that that has a good record right now and just beat new orleans in a back-to-back that i think is going to drop is utah for a couple of reasons but i think portland and sacramento are more substantive uh sacramento is a team that they've got a lot of good players right like a guy like sabonis for example is has a limitation defensively where you have if you have a five like that like you're probably only going to go so far in the playoffs but can you put together a good team that's winning games with demontis sabonis at the five absolutely and then you got Barnes at the four, Mike. De'Aaron Fox is hitting his mid-20s and is one of the better clutch players in the league, in part because, as as he confidently says, I can get to any spot that I want to with the skills and speed that he has, right? So, like, they have a certain herders are really good player. They just have several players who are good, right? And so that, and then I, I think Billups has done a good job in, in Portland. But go ahead, Mike, yeah. No, so the Kings, I just don't buy as much uh, in it sounds like um, as as most people do, but I, I've maybe I'm just being consistent from what I said before the season. And I don't think you can have a real serious basketball team with Sabonis at the five uh, defensively. And I think we've seen that on their most recent stretch where all of the good teams that they played have beaten them um, in, in rather handily. 
Now they like so they just they they lost to Milwaukee, um, one twenty six one thirteen. Um, they lost to the Knicks, who aren't a particularly good team, um, but just sort of attacked the rim the whole game, one twelve to ninety nine. They lost to Philly by twenty. Then they pulled out a big time comeback over Toronto. They trailed big for most of the game. Toronto's without a bunch of guys. Um, their other win was with was against Cleveland, who was missing Mitchell and a few other players. So I. I it's a long trip. It's hard to win games on those types of trips. They've been a really good home team this year, but I, they do have a lot of offensive talent. It's just to me, if a team comes in and really takes them seriously, I still think they're like a step away. They're, they're kind of like a a big man that can actually play both ends and particularly defense. So I'm, I'm not arguing that they can't stay in this mix in terms of wins and losses, but like if the Lakers get them in March and that's a team, like you have to get a win against, Versus oh, yeah. a, versus one of those other teams. So that's to me where even a team like Portland um, that that at least has some big lineups they can go to. Like I like Portland more than Sacramento. Um, and and so I'm I'm pushing slightly back on the Kings kind of they've been one of those vibe teams, as as you just alluded to and the whole um, what are they called? the beam and the and I just I don't buy them as like a real <laughs> a playoff type team, even if they're going to be in the mix. Well, I, I'm not necessarily arguing that they're a playoff team, but in the context of this conversation, can they win 40 plus games? Absolutely. Like they've got a lot yeah. of good players. They can win you know what games, I mean? Yeah. yeah. And like a guy like Sabonis they're is a good player. Right Kevin, you know, Barnes, Herter, Fox can lead a group. Malik is coming off the bench. They got Davion Mitchell, who's a good uh, ball pressure guard. Like they've got some guys, right? And so in the context of this conversation, we are 11 and 16. And so those teams that do they have a good mojo? They've had it since the summer league, right? Like the, that fan base, sometimes you catch a wave. And that's one of the things that you work toward over the course of a season. And so they're on one. Well, I guess here, let me to try to draw the distinction. I'm I'm thinking of this more as sort of risers and fallers, because this is the context of where the Lakers are. And mm-hmm. the Kings at 15 and 12, to me, still represent more of a, of a chance to fall at least a little bit um, back to earth as as the mix keeps getting closer. And Utah, I think, falls as well. Then the interesting teams in between the ones we've talked about, like Minnesota Golden State on one end and then Sacramento and Utah in terms of starting above expectation versus below expectation. Then you've got Dallas and the Clippers and the Clippers at 17 and 14 with who knows when the hell Kawhi is going to play. Paul George just sat out again last night, like the most conservative medical staff in in league history. And then you've got Dallas, who has been a closer to a bad vibes team, but they have Luka Doncic, right? Mm-hmm. And and like who you pick in between if you, Dallas and Sacramento, if that game has to be won, I, it's so hard not to pick not to go with Luka uh, in that sense. So that's that's more of the context of if I'm if I'm the Lakers in the 12 spot and I'm looking up and I'm looking well, there's Dallas and the Clippers versus Sacramento and Utah. Those are the the boxes that I'm trying to put those groups in. Let's go to break here, because when we come back on the other side, I have a little bit of pushback to the pushback. But then I do want to talk about the good teams that have interesting paths forward. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So, Mike, I, I agree with you that in the seriousness of, like, any given game, this game matters. Who's going to win this game? Of all of those matchups that you were talking about, Sacramento might come up on the short end in terms of a prediction. But regular season NBA basketball isn't that. And that's where I think the Kings playing 550, like, they've been basically playing 55% basketball, right? So, like... And they can continue to do exactly that. And that is leads to about a 45 in like 45, 37, something like that record. Like and and if that's the case, that's a team that the Lakers are going to be hard pressed to get to that level without pulling out a serious run. And, and so to me, in the context of rises, risers and fallers, the Kings look like that team that has a certain amount of steadiness to them based off of how many teams are going to take them seriously. And so I'm just wondering about that in general. Pete, do you agree with that or am I giving them too much credit? No, no, I absolutely think that they can win a lot of those regular season basketball games that aren't that sort of, we need to win this game tonight, because I think Mike's right about that too. It's just not something that that's not every game during the regular season. There's also a sturdiness from a Lakers perspective to, there's so many teams in this bunch that we can talk about the Kings or Portland, but rest assured, it's going to be somebody playing 550 ball. And there's going to be a couple of teams that are in that 44, 45 win type of range. And so who... That makes who they are not particularly important from our point of view. And that's why I'm like, it's going to be somebody. I can't tell you or predict who it's going to be, but they're going to be two, three teams that that are in that 45 win category, Mike. And we're going to have to play better than them. And we're going to have to continue digging ourselves out of the two and 10 start. And this is to where the, it, the Lakers basically had dug themselves out of the two and 10 start with the way that they rallied, with the way that Anthony Davis particularly rallied. And then you think about, 
I texted you guys the other day because Spectrum had us figure out like the basically the three games that the Lakers would want back the most. And it was impossible to get to just three. There are at least seven <laughs> games, right? Lots that, of candidates, yeah. And and so you guys both mentioned the Kings game, which is a great one. I went to a couple of probably less popular ones early in the season in terms of the Blazers and the Clippers games when those the first couple times that opposing coaches defended Russ with a center and the Lakers essentially blew games that they probably should have had in crunch time. Then there were the heartbreakers with Philly and Boston. And just think about like those five games, even if you just give me three of them, and Indiana. right there, you're 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 14 and 13. Yeah, Indi- in Indiana, 17 point lead in the fourth quarter, lose on a buzzer beating three. So, like that's that's the the crazy part of this is that it's just the standings look so much different if the Lakers are, but they're not right. It's and they're not. So that this is the conversation that we're having. But I, the reason that I bring it into to context here is when talking about teams like Portland and Sacramento that the Lakers, even when not really playing very good basketball played better than and should have won the game. And so like those teams are no powerhouses. Like that's, that's what I'm saying in the Western conference here. There's on a, on any given night, like the schedule, you can look at the schedule percentage moving forward and the Lakers are going to have some tough stretches, but that's to me that one of the big differences of the Western conference and, and before, and even in last year when like the Lakers weren't a good team at all last year. And there were some teams where they would go against and it was just like, no, they're not, they're not going to beat Phoenix. On a right. game, like they're not going to beat Denver. And that to me is no longer the case uh, in terms mm-hmm. of what the Western picture looks like. So I'm just trying to figure out of those teams, which ones right now just on paper um, are are the Lakers. Do they need to have something go really well? Like, do they need LeBron and Anthony Davis to play 85 percent of or 95 percent of the second half minutes, you know, to get to? And and mm-hmm. that's the part of the West to me that that's been intriguing. And I know that's general, but. It's uh, it's it's significant as we now look ahead to what these next several games are going to be and where what we should expect from the Lakers, who, by the way, should get Wendy and Gabriel back in the next couple. And I hope start to play a little more. Uh, that's steering it towards where we don't want to go with specific Lakers stuff. But but <laughs> I just wanted to mention it in the context of as we talk about the standings. No, I think that that's fine because one of the ideas that you're talking about there, Mike, is like health and reinforcements and who the Lakers have available. And that's like before you account for a trade, right? And so another team that I think needs to think about what their roster is and do they need to make a trade is Dallas. And so, and then there's a team Mm -hmm. that also might need to think about a trade, but now is dealing with their own injury problem. And that's Golden State. And so those are the two teams I wanted to pinpoint and sort of kick back to both of you. Yeah. Because when we talk about risers and fallers, it's not just about like, oh, well, who has it going on any given night and the cannibalization of wins in the Western Conference as these teams are bunched up. It's sort of like, well, we thought we were going to be something and we're actually something else. Mm-hmm. And that something else, is that actually good enough? And I think the Warriors had a lot of confidence because they're the reigning champions, but they lost veteran players and a couple of really like defensive players who were part of their like best seven players when it came to the NBA finals. Mm -hmm. Right. And they lost those dudes and they replaced them with youngsters. Right. And so now and now Steph Curry's out. And if he's out a month, that's 12 games. Yeah. And and so there's just this idea of, all right, well, the Lakers were a former champion. 
they went into a season that was just like, hey, we think we're going to be this. We revamped. We got all these dudes. And then suddenly one of your best players is out for an extended period. And your ability to play 600 or 650 or 750 basketball goes down. And the Warriors right now, they're 14 and 15. And they're one of the worst road teams in the NBA. They're worse than the Lakers on the road. They're like 2-13 and 13 on the road this season or something crazy. And that's what Steph playing the best basketball of his career, 50-40-90, like 30 points mm-hmm. playing out of his mind. And so I'm just going to kick it to you guys. When you're talking about teams that the Lakers need to target in the standings, the Warriors have put a target on their back based off of just like by happenstance, Steph getting hurt and the way, the kind of hole, quote unquote, that they've dug themselves and Dallas sort of not functionally replacing their second best player from last season. And mm-hmm. now sort of going through that, like, oh, well, what are we going to be? And we've got a thousand bigs and only, and the coach only trusts one of them. Right. And, and so what are we <laughs> going to do about that? Well, that's real talk. Right. And, and so I'm trying to figure out the navigation path that the Lakers are on. Where is their GPS taking them? And I see Golden State and Dallas as teams that have that little pin in them as like, oh, here's the next stop like on the route. And so I'm just kicking that to y'all. Pete, let me throw this to you. Just one one quick note. So Steph out right two to four weeks could be longer. We'll see. Wiggins still out for a little bit. And then Maxi Kleber, who, who Darius just mentioned all the bigs in Dallas, he's maybe the one that Jason Kidd does trust. And he just tore his hamstring mm-hmm. and he's out for a while. Mm-hmm. So they're either going to have to go like all offense with Kristen Wood, who he doesn't trust or I mean, so I just I didn't want to mention that specifically as you if you want to get into those teams. Yeah, no, that's that's something that, you know, when I talk about a team like the Kings catching the wave, the a team like the Warriors or even the Mavericks are on the crest of it, right? Like that's it's the wave is already uh, washed ashore in a lot of ways and you got to build back up the next one. The season after winning a title is very difficult for a number of reasons, not the least of which, like, to win a basketball game, you got to play with a certain level of juice. And it's hard to conjure that every single night. Like, one of the things I I say about the Lakers team and this uh, Lakers team transitioning transitioning from a team that Kobe called the biggest I've ever seen in my life to a very small team is that when you're smaller than the team across from you, you have to play harder than them. If they play harder than you and you're smaller than them, it's just a, you got a math problem at that point. It's not going to add up. And so for the Warriors to play their best basketball amidst the whole, we made these roster changes, we let Porter go, we let Peyton go, all of that is part of this too. They also have to play with a certain level of urgency on a night to night basis. And it's really difficult to fake urgency when you've just won a title. These are not particularly important games in the grand scheme of things. Like they talked pretty openly about the first part of this season was about finding who our guys are, who our bench guys are very much. Their focus is dedicated to the youngsters. And I think that Golden State has a certain level of justified belief that when they need to, when Steph comes back, all of this, they're going to be able to turn it on. By the same token, we were saying the exact same things about the Lakers in the 2021 season. And sometimes you can't get healthy. Sometimes it's always something. And that's one of the things about the last couple couple of Lakers seasons has been it's like, ah, oh, it's just, it's always been something. We haven't been whole the way we've wanted to be. Sometimes it happens like that. Whereas with Dallas, I think they have just more fundamental 
roster issues where they're not good enough. There's a reason why Jason Kidd doesn't trust their bigs aside from a guy like Klebo, who's a really good player, right? And and now he's going to have to go to something that is outside of what he wants to do, Mike. And so with Dallas, I think it's a more urgent roster issue, whereas with Golden State, they're just battling certain factors as a defending champ that is exclusive to one team per year, really. Yeah, I, so to zoom in on Dallas for a second, Here's their next five before the Laker game on Christmas. Next five, home against Portland, at Cleveland, at Minnesota, at Minnesota again, and then at Houston. And without Kleber, with Luka having already had to carry such a big load, and he's in that kind of James Harden usage type. Um, I think he's a better player um, than Harden. but And he doesn't seem to be too thrilled right, with what he's dealing with and who with whom he's playing uh-huh. there. Um, so, so yeah, so in, this is where the context of like, I like, I still, because of Luca, I like them in a playoff type series, right. Better than the teams that we had been discussing earlier, Sacramento, like the unproven type teams, you know, certainly Utah, even Portland, although they get a bit of an asterisk because of Dame, like they get a little bit of credit there too. So that, that team to me, um, that stretch is one that you kind of standings watch very carefully, Right. Because they like they're they're at a very vulnerable point of their season, and they have yet to have the one thing that they can't afford, which is Luca missing a couple games or two. Uh, and mm-hmm. and even though so to to knock on wood, like the Lakers haven't had LeBron had his groin uh, thing, and and that's that's that counts. Like if Luca missed five games, like that's very very significant. Anthony Davis missed mm-hmm. missing two games because of a flu, immediate losses, right? So it's yeah. just a the, the Lakers haven't had the the major like two to three week type thing but they've had enough of the minor ones to add up to some of those things and if they yep. can enjoy a run where they don't have to deal with that for a little while amidst a what we just talked about in dallas and then the b the golden state thing where you know that team without steph has really struggled for obvious reasons they do if they can get wiggins back earlier and if pool can start to raise his game some it's then it becomes to me about how much does draymond really care about keeping that team at a, at a certain level because him playing at his peak can lift their floor. But I don't know if he's going to be able to do that without Steph and then feel like he can sustain that for the rest of the season. So um, those are every night right now in league pass, whether it's just because of the talent of the NBA, which is reason enough to tune in or because you love a particular team. If you're listening to this podcast, most likely one of those teams is the Lakers uh, or if you are standings watching and just kind of seeing where all this stuff is going to unfold, I think it's one of the more fascinating NBA seasons uh, in, in recent memory. And I'm having a great time every night tuning into league pass. And, and like, we're every time I text the, the I, I'm Hey, I'm, I'm watching this game. One of you guys is either watching that or you're watching a different game. And, and mm-hmm. I, I hope that that's reflected league wide and in the ratings and stuff like that. Cause uh, I'm uh, I'm enjoying this even during a season in which it's it's more fun to interview players when they win games than lose. And unfortunately, that hasn't been uh, <laughs> as kind this year, but it's they're, they're at least they're they're in those games and there's stuff that still can be figured out. I am I'm just super intrigued by what this how these standings are going to play, play themselves out. And so let's pivot quickly back to the Lakers. Because they've got a big game against the number three seed in the conference. And Pete, to climb the standings, sometimes you got to win the games you're not supposed to win, mm-hmm. right? And this Denver game is – Denver's a team the Lakers can beat. I wrote in my um, three things today that I think one of the key aspects of this matchup is going to be the battle of the benches. 
Um, yeah. Michael Porter is still out. But in both of the games this season, the Lakers bench has been much better than Denver's benches. And they're going to need that to continue tonight. And so what do you think about this matchup versus, versus Denver and then heading into whatever you want to get to next with the Wizards and then next week? Yeah, with tonight's game, Denver is a unique team. There's nobody else in the league that plays like them because there is nobody else in the league like Jokic. And so just on a night-to-night basis, they can be a difficult team to scheme for. I also think that that's part of the benefit of having two days off, you know, have, playing a Tuesday-Friday type of match. And I think that's that's really good for us in that respect. Also, with as many minutes as LeBron and AD played on Tuesday night, I think that's part of the reason why they emptied the gas tank. And alas, they didn't have enough right? But AD playing the entirety of the second half and LeBron only getting a couple minutes off, I think was directly tied to us not playing again until Friday. That was the first thing that my mind goes to though, D, with Denver is the benches, right? Denver is not particularly deep. Um, They've got a bench unit with uh, Bones Highland and DeAndre Jordan on it. That's something that like we need Wenyon back. Like I, I know it's it's silly and it's more it's two things. Like Wenyon, I think, is a legitimately better player than people realize, and I think he's going to earn more and more respect with his play as the season goes along. But also, we just lack so f- we have so few players above six foot five that can play defense uh, that when he's out, like he's really the one role player that does that. That's, that's that size. So it's hard to replicate, but if he plays like, man, run Deandre Jordan, you know what I mean? Like I play with pace and with speed and, and that, uh, sort of tempo their team, Mike, that we got our first win of the year against, which you alluded to earlier. Uh, and so that's their team that you really have to leverage your advantages against because Jokic is going to do his thing and kick your butt in certain ways that are difficult to work around. But they also give you some opportunities to get it back on the other end. Yeah, the key for me in this kind of matchup is letting Jokic know that it's going to be a tough night for him, like right from the start and not getting him to the point where he's either believing that he can carry the team through for a win uh, or, and just discouraging him a little bit. Cause that is one thing that you can do some with Jokic um, where, mm-hmm. and I think that the person that can do that clearly is Anthony Davis and attacking his ass uh, on defense mm-hmm. and just making him really work in there because they don't have a lot of other help. Uh, and if, if that's how the matchup's going to go, it's not, it's not pull up jumpers. It's driving into Jokic, you know, trying to get a couple fouls, because like Jamal Murray's been playing better, but now they don't have Porter and they don't have a lot of other creation. Like that Aaron Gordon is playing above his head offensively. And I think he gets some credit for that. He's shooting better. He's finishing better, but it's not a player that on the scouting report, right? You're that concerned within that sense. And then they have very, very little off the bench other than if Bones Highland happens to catch a heater, he's not really making plays for anybody else. He's, he's just kind of going in um, looking to score. So I, I think they're a, it's a beatable team, um, and especially for a Lakers team that, A, is very mad about the last loss, B, did get a chance to have sort of a rare fun practice. Like yesterday, they, they ran outside, they're throwing the football, they're trying to catch some good vibes back. They had the, um, the East-West Bank holiday party for kids, which is always an event that I love. Oh, yeah, kids that was cute. Come in, yeah. you know, and, and just getting to like touch LeBron and make cookies with AD, AD like that kind of stuff to me does generate some some good vibes and feelings and uh you know I, I I just think it's the full force of the effort from AD looking over at Jokic and like look man we need this win tonight no like you're not you're not doing yeah. 38 15 and 10 tonight and and if you can discourage that from Jokic then then you win the game 
Well, D, the starters are going to be super important in that, right? Because all the advantages that we were talking about, this is also a team you could be down 18 to 8 when the first sub comes in. No, it's super important that the Lakers get off to a good start. They've had some of those moments this season, but they haven't had enough of them. And so for all of the like, okay, the bench can do this and discourage Jokic from doing that, this, this, that, and the other, it's just like the guy that I'm looking at towards and Mike is actually LeBron James. We haven't said his name much this pod, but he's the one that can be the true tone setter when both him and AD are in the game. AD, obviously, he needs to do his work against Jokic, and and that's that. But Gordon is the type of defensive player that can give LeBron some problems. And if LeBron is just like, I got something for you today, Mm -hmm. Aaron Gordon, then that can be the positive push forward that gives the Lakers the advantage that they need early in the game so that in the middle portions of the game, it's not pulling yourself out out of a hole. It's building up the advantage so that you have a little bit of cushion so that LeBron and AD aren't required for 20, 22, 23 minutes in in the second half in order to get a much needed win. Yeah, this is a defense to offense game uh, in terms of leveraging what you're talking about there. Like our defense uh, has led to some of our best play, I think, when we've gone on our runs. And I think that we've relied too much on our half court offense when we've struggled. So if we can uh, if if we can play some good defense uh, tonight, I think we're in good shape. All right. We'll be back on Monday. Talk about how tonight's game and then Sunday's game against the Wizards goes. Uh, But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Back with his eighth block shot that an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Bryant, for the record. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.